There are so many things that I don't know that I have to trust in faith. And here comes God into chapter 3 saying, hey, if you use human logic to fully understand this, it's going to fall apart for you. But I will lay out for you the truth. And here is the truth. Your unrighteousness, your ability to understand your sin is the great equalizer of men. Sin is our great equalizer. Sin is what makes us all equal in God's eyes. It's actually our unrighteousness that makes us all equal in God's eyes. And it's actually God's mercy that is the great deliverance for anyone who believes. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm Nicole, and I am just delighted to walk with you as we all together are discovering God through the book of Romans. And guys, this has been already, um, in some ways, very challenging for me, um, just wanting to lead you through. But also more than that, um, just there's so much discovery to be had, and there's so many beliefs to be examined and to recognize that, man, when we um, place ourselves under God's word and we say, okay, Lord, I, I don't understand all of it, but I'm, I'm here for your revelation. I'm here um, to be a servant, to be a follower, to um, apprehend what the good news actually means for me in my life today. Like we are just jumping off that cliff together. That's what faith really is. Faith is being able to say, I'm going to read this chapter and I might not understand all of it or I don't know how it all works, but I'm asking God to give me revelation about who he is, about the reality of this world. Guys, we we live in a world that is pushing their reality on us all the time. The world is pushing reality, right? As as it's defined by the world. And what I mean by that is just our culture that we're in, just the news, your social media feed, your friends, the texts that you get, the 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 channels that you watch. All of it is this narrative of like, hey, this is what matters. This is what's real. But when we take these few minutes together and we say, you know what, before I see anything that the world brings into my life today, I'm going to go to God's word and let my reality be set by what God says is reality. And that's truly what we're doing as we walk through Romans. If you're new with us, welcome. Welcome. I know we have lots of new people around here, and I want you to know that we are um, doing something a little different. Generally, um, I teach from Scripture. We all discover together as a normal practice in this podcast. But for the whole fall, we're doing the book of Romans um, all the way through, one chapter a week. And we have a free reading plan for you, if that would be helpful to you, some way for you to continue to engage the chapter um, outside of this podcast. You can go to NicoleUnis.com slash Romans to get that delivered to your inbox each week. just want you to know about that as well. I am delighted and thrilled that we have brothers and sisters from around the world who are part of this podcast. And I want you to know wherever you are right now, whatever's ordinary about your day as you're just trying to navigate really surviving in this uncertain time, I want you to know that you are not alone, that there are others who are deeply seeking to know God, to uh, represent God, to be a light in this world, and that even if they're not sitting next to you, and even if today's a day that you feel kind of alone, I want you to know that you are not alone, and that um, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that's in me when we say yes to Jesus is the same Spirit that's in you, and that Spirit that's in both of us is in fellowship, even when we're not together. So my prayer for you today is that you might be comforted, that you might be encouraged, 
that even if these words are what you need to hear whenever you're listening to this, that you would receive that as from the Lord, um, not because it's from me, but because the Spirit of God is informing this moment and and bringing love and comfort and fellowship and connection to each and every one of us. Okay, that was a bonus, guys. That was not my plan. I was not planning to say that. So let's move on. I'm so grateful to God. I'm actually going to pray as we go into today. Lord, um, we thank you. We pray that you would open our eyes to receive your word and open our hearts to receive the transformation that is uh, before us, that you are inviting us into each and every time we come to experience you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you guys, we're in chapter three. We've been building to this point. We started in chapter one with this whole idea that we've been given a vision and a problem, right? There's this vision of what life can look like when we are living into the good news. But then chapters two and then the first half of chapter three is really about the problem that we have. And the problem that's laid out is, wow, this world is dark and depraved. And there are many who are committing evil on the outside. And then chapter two is really about, and hey, those of you who think you're good, you're not all that great either. And that's kind of where we where we land as we go into chapter three. And so I want to take um, a piece right from the middle. And guys, if you hear nothing else, I mean, this is the foundation of the gospel. Uh, the foundational understanding of what the good news means is captured in these verses. We're going to start in verse 20 and go through verse 26. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. 
God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Okay. Where do we go with this? When you're reading a chapter, remember what we said last week, you got to try to fly over the chapter. Sometimes it can help to read the um, subtitles that have been put in your chapter for you that help you understand, okay, what am I learning about in this chapter? Because there is a lot here. Paul is quoting the Old Testament. He's giving us and laying out in a um, sort of a Socratic method of laying out an argument. So he's going to work from this argument and then basically dismantle the argument. So if you don't know what he's doing, you're going to be like, whoa, what is happening? But he's going to, he's actually going to take us there to say, I'm going to use a human argument, dismantle that human argument, and then bring us to this moment of what it actually means, what God is doing in our world, and what happens through Christ. That's what's happening right here in this verse. And this kind of takes us to the end of the chapter, okay? So we want to focus on two little words here. I always teach you guys to focus on the little words because it can help you when you're just asking that question of what does it say? So that that first word in verse 20 is therefore, okay? So anytime we see therefore, we know that the argument that was laid out in the passage before this one or in the chapters before this one or perhaps in the whole book is leading to this point, okay? So everything we've learned about so far, we're now going to have the closing argument on everything that we've learned so far. We're going to have the kernel of truth on everything we've learned so far. So even if we don't fully understand or we're struggling with any part of chapter one or two or this half of chapter three, in faith, we can receive what is told to us in chapter three, verse 20. Okay. So that's what it says here. It just says, Hey, therefore, meaning everything that, that Paul just laid out for us is teaching us this. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight. <laughs> that's like the basic thing is, okay, all what I need to know, and I can learn this and God can give me progressive revelation to understand it more and more. But here's the thing about the gospel. It is as available to the five-year-old child, as available to, to the person who is not able to read, as available to that, that which who has multiple PhDs, whatever your human spectrum of ability or intelligence is, whatever you want to put in there, what you need to understand is this whole thing, the gospel, exists outside of our human reasoning, which means that I may only understand this part. I may only understand this idea that no one can be declared righteous in God's sight. And even if that's all I understand, and maybe I only understand it through my experience, Because I don't know anyone who gets, I don't know, to the age of 16 without recognizing that they can't be all that they want to be. Like, we have all failed ourselves at one point. Like, there is a a working moral compass in which we have failed ourselves. And so none of us can be who we think that we can be. And just on a base level, no one is righteous, right? Then on a deeper level, as we unpack this argument, what Paul is doing is taking a very um, nuanced argument around the idea of using human logic to understand God. That's what's happening up to this point. When we ask the question, what's the backstory? All of chapters one, two, and three are addressing the problem of human logic, 
the idea that God who created us, that God who is outside of the world, that God who is outside and above and around our human intelligence cannot be understood fully in our human intelligence. And and the scripture tells us this all around the place. All the time in scripture, we're hearing like, who can comprehend the mind of God? Who can understand him? And actually, the book of Job, which is the first book written, it's not it's not the first book in the Bible when you are, are we're looking at your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but it's believed to be the very first book written. And in that very first book written, the actual question is, who can comprehend the mind of God? And the way that book is laid out, if you know anything about the book of Job, is that Job um, deals with all of this suffering. He has all of these things that we would call blessings taken away from him. And in fact, he has them taken away from him because he's being tested by God. And so for 37 chapters of Job, we hear Job's complaints about the fact that he is righteous, and yet he's not receiving the blessings, these material, you know, these blessings in his life. And God enters the scene. In chapter 38 of the book of Job, after he allows Job to like complain and, and talk and lament and grieve and suffer. And when the Lord speaks, this is in Job 38, chapter uh, chapter 38, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said in verse 2, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Verse four, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. And the Lord doesn't answer Job's questions directly, but he lays out this argument to say, where were you when I put the stars in place? Where were you when I set the boundaries of the sea? Tell me if you understand. And now you may receive that and be like, wow, that's harsh. But you know what? If you think that's harsh, you're dealing with it from your human logic. You're dealing with it as if God was your peer, as if God was our equal. When in reality, what God is saying to Job is, I created you and my ways are not your ways. My ways are so much higher than your ways. I mean, anyone who has raised a child or been around a child understands that sometimes as adults, we have knowledge of our child and of life that our child themselves could could never comprehend. If you've taken your child and they've been sick, and let's say your child hurts themselves and has to get stitches, and you take them to the emergency room, and you're going to hold them down so that a doctor can hurt them further because you know that in that hurting further that would happen with your child, you are actually healing them. And you know that your two-year-old, your three-year-old cannot comprehend what is happening. They cannot understand why their loving parent would be holding them down and making them hurt more than they already hurt, right? And yet as parents, we're able to hold that together and say, I can endure this uncomfortable moment. I can endure this suffering of my child because I know that it is leading to ultimate good. And in my adult intelligence, I can understand that even though there would be no way for me to explain this to a two-year-old. And so therefore, I can't explain it. And if I try to explain it, it's not going to work because their their intellect, their place in life, their development does not allow them to understand it. Amen? And we have a God who allows things, who explains things, who put the law in place, who says that this is the way that it's going to be. 
And when we use human logic to try to understand it, we are basically dismantling the actual essence of our faith. Because faith is having to believe in something that we cannot fully understand. Faith is having to say, none of these arguments fully line up, and I actually have to live in faith about a lot of things in the world, because, yeah, I don't know what happened when God laid the earth's foundations, and I, I, I don't know how God set the boundaries of the sea. Dang, I don't even know really how electricity works. <laughs> I don't, I, there are so many things that I don't know that I have to trust in faith. And here comes God into chapter 3 saying, hey, if you use human logic to fully understand this, it's going to fall apart for you. But I will lay out for you the truth. And here is the truth. Your unrighteousness, your ability to understand your sin is the great equalizer of men. Sin is our great equalizer. Sin is what makes us all equal in God's eyes. It's actually our unrighteousness that makes us all equal in God's eyes. And it's actually God's mercy that is the great deliverance for anyone who believes. What we're learning in this passage as we look at it, when we hear this idea that this righteousness, verse 22, was given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe, all of sin has become our great equalizer, and all are justified freely by his grace. Unless we recognize how deeply we cannot make this happen without God, how deeply that any any of our desire to be connected to our creator, any of our desire to, to live a purposeful life, to, to feel free, to be free of guilt and regret, to experience forgiveness, all of that is given to us when we recognize that our great equalizer is our unrighteousness. The more I try to do it myself, the, the, the more I try to make life work, the more I, I create measurements for people, well, at least I'm not as bad as, as those guys, or I'm not out there doing that, or at least I'm you know, paying my taxes, at least I'm, all of that is a human logic that desires to create self-righteousness in which I am trying to justify myself over and over again. But the heart of the gospel is that your lack of ability to justify yourself is the great equalizer. It's what makes us all the same. It's what makes us brothers and sisters together as we're all just like, can't do it. And in God's like forbearance, in God's mercy, he actually leads us to that revelation. The beginning of the gospel is you being revealed in your actual nature, like knowing who you really are. And guys, that takes faith. Many, many people will reject that. Many, many people will walk away from that. That's why Jesus would be sad when he was with the rich young ruler in the Gospels, and, and, and this guy's justifying himself and saying, hey, I've done all the good things. And so Jesus holds up a mirror to this rich young ruler and says, oh gosh, if you think that you've done all these good things, hey, why don't you sell all your possessions and follow me? That was not actually about Jesus saying every single one of us needs to sell all all of our possessions to follow him. What Jesus was doing was holding up a mirror to that man who was justifying himself, to that man who felt like he was good enough to be in the kingdom. And all Jesus was doing is saying, hey, let me just rip off one band-aid that's going to help you know how not good enough you are. 
Because what you think is fidelity, what you think is faithfulness, what you think is actual sacrifice, the minute I ask you to do something that actually is what you find your identity in, what you think makes you righteous and good, you're not going to be able to do that. And and here's the thing. Jesus doesn't do that with a heart of condemnation. He doesn't do that with wrath or anger. He doesn't do it with condescension. Um, that's a lot of the ways that we've experienced confrontation in our life. What it says is that Jesus does it, he does it with compassion, and he actually is, is sad that the man walks away. He he gives the invitation to all. And that's what we see in Romans, is that God presents Christ as the sacrifice for us. We have to receive that in faith. And in doing so, we are seeing God's righteousness right now. That God, who is outside of human logic, says, what is going to happen is that in this world is you're going to be able to recognize your unrighteousness. And then what is also going to happen is I, in my great mercy, am going to justify you, and this is the way it's going to happen. And the way God says that justification happens is through Christ Jesus alone, that there is no other way but through. We have to go through this place where we give up and surrender our right to try to make it work for ourselves, and and we just throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, you you have to carry something that I can't carry myself. And the thing that we can't carry ourselves is our own sin. The thing that we can't fix ourselves is the unfixable stuff in us. The thing that we can't do for ourselves is just forgive ourselves, just like find goodness within, just find peace in the world. All of that is a sham. All of that is reality as the world likes to believe it. But what we learn in Romans 3 is that isn't actually reality, that God who created this world, God who lives outside of human logic, God who's the one who gets to set the rules, says everything in history and everything in your heart is leading you to this place where you realize that you are equalized by your sin and everything that happens next, faith is about accepting that in that equalizing, I also offer my great mercy, and the only way into that mercy is through faith in Jesus. Commentator Karl Barth says, we have peace with God because he is just and he justifies. We have peace with God because he has stated reality as it actually is. And we have peace with God because he says that in my justice, I state what reality is. And in my justice, I also provide you a way to be justified. He has stated for us how it will actually work. It is up to us to believe in faith, to take that step, to jump off that cliff and say, I don't fully understand this. I don't know. Part of me doesn't feel like this is going to work and everything in me and myself and my own individual desire to understand and my wanting to be equal with God and all of that. I'm willing to let that be crucified with Christ. That is not something that we can do for anyone else. We can only have that experience with Christ ourselves. And we ourselves are the only ones who can say, yes, I believe in faith. So what does this mean for me today? I wrote down three steps that I I personally, coming out of this passage, I'm just living into this week and today. And the first one is I have to reckon with my pride. I just, I just have to reckon with the part of me that wants to say, God, I don't understand this. And God, why would you do it this way? And why, why would you allow people to come to unrighteousness? And why... 
I got to reckon with that, (laughs) that that's my pride that wants to be equal with God, that wants to understand everything about God. And I'm so convicted by the words from Job 38, where God's like, hey, where were you when I set the sun in place? I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I'm just a child. I'm just that two-year-old who who doesn't understand why things happen. But the question is, can I understand the love of my father? Because if I understand the love of my father, then I can allow the pain, the suffering, the confusion to be a part of my experience and to be comforted by my father, to be close and held by my father because I trust him. The second thing that I need to do is repent of my own self-righteousness. That's my desire to make things right in myself, to find ways to feel okay on my own to use everything that the world offers as ways to create an identity. And today, just as I go into the rest of my work, I just, I declare to God, I repent of my desire to create my identity around my own achievement, around approval of men. I'm just going to just name it. And it's, it's it's a daily naming for me. It's something that has to happen each and every day, that confession. And then the third thing, and this is the one that we cannot miss, guys, because this is what I feel like is happening to so many Christians just walking around, dragging dragging the weight of their sin behind them because they do the first two steps, but they forget to do the third one. And the third step is that we rejoice in his mercy. Like, this is not, like, this is bad news up to this point, but we have made the turn to, like, this is great news. This is the best news. Like the very best news is not that God is just, but it's God who is just and who also chooses to justify us, who gives us right standing, who calls us into communion with him, who allows us to experience the righteousness of Christ in our life. We have to rejoice in God's mercy. Like you don't get up, do not, do not, I repeat, do not pass go, do not collect $200, do not get up from your quiet time until you have rejoiced in his mercy. If you're just going to drag yourself through the mud and experience shame and guilt for who you've been, and you're going to be like, oh God, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. You're, you're not even letting God be God because <laughs> when God is God, he says, yo, I am the one who freely gives mercy. Rejoice in my mercy. Rejoice in my grace. That is the best news. And friends, brothers, sisters, if you are stuck in self-condemnation, if you are rehearsing your mistakes over and over again, if you are one of those Christians who's dragging around life with the burden of sin on your back, could I just invite you to say these words with me? Father in heaven, it is you who justifies. I claim my identity as a son of God. I claim my identity as a daughter of God. I leave my sin at your feet. I take on your righteousness today. Father, I lift my head because you have called me good. You have called me your masterpiece. Just try it. (laughs) Just repeat it. If you need to listen to that on repeat, repeat it with me. Repeat it. Say it. Your words will become truth in your life as you claim those promises. You don't fully believe it right now. Say it. Say those words, bring yourself into the goodness of God's grace because he is there already. You are already in it. You are already in it. And now you get to actually just like experience the gift of it. This is the beauty of the good news. Thanks everyone. Talk next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons 
and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. There's nothing in this world that he cannot do if we truly allow his love. We can do nothing without him. Anything that we do apart from him is not something that's permanent. We all need his grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen.